Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. So we read uh, yesterday in the Acts of the Apostles how the church was growing very, very quickly despite the persecution from the religious authorities. And uh, today we're picking up the story in chapter 6. And uh, we we heard about external persecution yesterday, but as the church grew, there were certain internal politics that uh, seemed to arise, Colin. Yes, I mean, you know, wonderful, wonderful things are happening. But um, God is meeting with human beings, and even though we get born again, become new creation, get filled with the Holy Spirit, we're not yet perfect in the way in which we express the life of the Spirit within us. So issues arise. Said with feeling, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are always issues that you have to face, uh, aren't there, in the, in the church. And, of course, what the devil always wants to do is to create division. Jesus prayed, Father, may they be one. So the devil wants to create division. He wants there to be animosity, jealousy, tensions, party factions, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. So... We read in the beginning of chapter 6 of Acts, as the number of the disciples increased, the Greek-speaking Jews complained about the Hebrew-speaking Jews because their widows were not receiving a fair amount in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve apostles called a meeting of all the disciples and said, we should not be involved in these administrative details, but should be able to concentrate on preaching and teaching God's word. So, brothers, select some people from among you who have the reputation of being wise and men of the Spirit. We will hand this responsibility over to them while we devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Now, you see, whenever God moves, you're going to have this kind of problem, that things are happening so rapidly, developing so fast, that the leaders can't cope with everything. They've got to begin to delegate and to raise up others in leadership. Moses found the same and needed his father-in-law Jethro to say, well, you're trying to, to um, you know, judge all the cases that are brought before you. You need to appoint others, leaders of fifties and hundreds and so on. And so it's the same sort of principle here that these apostles realize, well, we've got to delegate this responsibility. Now, interestingly, this is an administrative matter, isn't it? I mean, the daily distribution of food doesn't seem to be a very spiritual thing. It just needs somebody to get the thing organized. But look what they say. Choose men from among you who have the reputation of being wise and men of the spirit. Uh, later, we're going to see that when they needed to appoint deacons, they appointed people like Stephen, a man of faith and of the Spirit. And it wasn't long before he was performing miracles. Um, but we'll, we'll save that for a future day. But you see, they recognized that anybody in any kind of leadership responsibility had to be a person of the Spirit so that they exercise their responsibilities in the spirit and not just with their natural minds and understanding. Because, you know, somebody could organize a distribution of food on a purely rational, natural basis. But the apostles understood, right, now we need people of wisdom 
who know how to handle these different people with their different pressures and different uh, perception on what is going on. But we need people of the Spirit who are really going to bring the Word of God and the life of God and the love of God into the whole situation. So there aren't any more spats and arguments, but love will prevail because those that are handling the situation are full of the love of the Spirit. So everyone responded well to this proposal, it says in verse 5. They selected Stephen, who was full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, who came from Antioch and was a convert to Judaism. These seven men were presented to the apostles who laid their hands on them and prayed for them. Now, we're going to be concentrating on Stephen. As I, as I said just now, you see, when they set these men apart, what did they do? They prayed for them. They laid hands on them. Now, a bit dangerous, isn't it? If you've got all these apostles laying hands on you and praying for you, because something of what they've got is going to be imparted to you. So here is, here is this uh, ministry that was called waiting on tables, you know, uh, simply serving people. That's all that it was about. And of course, a deacon is, is someone who serves. That's what um, the word means. Um, so we've got these seven guys and well, we know what happened with two of them, wonderful, great, mighty things. Um, but setting these people apart did fulfill the principal objective and that was to free up the apostles. Because it says in verse 7, as a result of these changes, God's word spread further and the number of disciples increased rapidly in Jerusalem. Even a large number of priests became obedient believers. So now the apostles were free without any encumbrance on their time of doing other things to pursue the specific purpose that God had for them, to devote themselves to prayer, to devote themselves to the ministry of the word. And that's, that's very, very important. And it's important for leaders to teach their people these things. Uh, you know, what you're doing when you're in pastoral responsibility is you're teaching people to serve because the fivefold ministry exists to equip the saints for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. That's what we read in Ephesians 4. Now, you can look at that and say, right, well, I need to prove what a good bloke I am as a leader, and I need to get down and do all the jobs of of uh, washing the floor and the ceiling and the walls and painting this and doing that and doing the other, just to show that I'm one of the lads, I'm one of the boys, I'm with them and doing it. And you're spending your time doing things that aren't necessarily the most effective use of your time. Now, you could say, well, you're doing things, building up fellowship, relationships and things like that. There's, there's a place for that. But you see, there has to be a right balance in these things. 
Because what happens in many churches is that if the pastoral leadership starts to get involved in all those practical things, everybody else is very happy to leave him to do it. And then, actually, the other people aren't being raised up. They're, they're, they're becoming spiritually lazy. And the point is that uh, the pastor needs to be devoting himself to prayer and the Word, and he needs to be devoting himself to doing the pastoral things that other members of the congregation will not be able to do or he needs to be training them up to do so that he won't have the time to be doing all these nitty-gritty things. Now, he's still a servant. He will always be a servant, and he needs a servant heart, but he is only going to fulfill his call in serving the people in the way that God is calling him to serve the people, not trying to show that he's one of the lads. You sometimes hear people say, that, oh, well, there's nobody else to do it, so I've got to do it myself. Yeah, well, that's a badly trained congregation. I mean, I, I knew of a pastor recently who left his church because he was just so overworked. Everybody left everything for him to do. And I, I, I was very saddened by that because I thought, well, if you'd actually trained them properly, that wouldn't have happened. But if every time there's something to do, you do it, everybody else will be happy to leave you to do it. And and you see, there are in some churches, I mean, um, this is generalization, it's not true of every church, praise God, but there's some that where you have the, uh, the attitude, well, we pay him to do it. I mean, we pay the pastor, what? Of course, he should be doing this. And you see, that shows a complete misunderstanding of the church that the people think that the church is there for their benefit, the pastor is there for their sake, instead of seeing that the church exists for the benefit of those who are not its members, that it's there to be the body of Christ reaching out into the community with the life and the love and the power of Jesus Christ to see people coming out of darkness into the light of God's kingdom. Uh, and this sort of attitude that we pay a pastor to look after us is really just a total misconception of what the call of a pastor is from a biblical perspective or, or what spiritual leadership is. Pastor only gets mentioned once in the New Testament. But of, of the spiritual leadership, you know, um, they're there to equip the people so the people will work. And I often say to people, you know, God didn't save you to go to heaven. He saved you to, to work here on earth to do the work of his kingdom here on earth, then you can enjoy your reward in heaven. But, you know, Jesus said that on the day of judgment, each man will be rewarded according to what he's done. Well, what happens if he hasn't done anything? There isn't any reward, is there? So, you know, a, a congregation that leaves the leadership to do everything is badly taught and is in a very bad place spiritually. Because what you want uh, people so keen to serve that you hardly have to ask for things to, do, to be done. When people see there's a need, they do it. And they recognize our leaders need to be free to be doing the spiritual work to which God has called them. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 